Let us pray. Gracious and eternal God, we come to you this morning knowing that we have failed to live in the way that you want us to live. And yet we come here to hear your words of forgiveness and mercy. We ask that you would open our hearts to hear those words. Let them be written on our hearts. And now let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we do what we have to do. God spoke all these words. And these words, of course, are what we know as the Ten Commandments. We've heard them twice already this morning. First, as part of the penitential order, leading into our prayer of confession. And then again, we heard them as our first lesson. And that coincidence leads me to ask you to think a bit more about the Ten Commandments this morning, and and maybe in a way that will be different for you. It's a remarkable thing to me that the Ten Commandments have in recent years become such a focus of what we've come to call the culture wars in the United States. You know, there are court cases arguing about whether these words from Scripture can be or whether they should be posted in public buildings. There's a church here in town, you may know, that has a sculpture depicting the Ten Commandments installed on the the front lawn of the church. And yet a recent poll found that fewer than 10% of Americans can actually name more than four of the Ten Commandments. Does that surprise you? Mm, doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Many years ago, I was a counselor at a youth camp, and we played a, a game that was sort of a Bible knowledge contest, you know, the way you do. And, and, and one of the questions the teams were asked was to name the Ten Commandments. And what was funny was to watch all of the counselors, all of whom were clergy, scrambling to try to come up with a list themselves so that they would know whether the kids got it right or not. And I have to say that while I am a big fan of the Ten Commandments, I've never been particularly keen on the movement to post them in public places. It's not that I'm necessarily against that. It's just that I think it's a lot more important whether those commandments are, as we prayed in the litany, written on our hearts. That's much more important than whether they're posted on a wall someplace. And so let me ask you something this morning. I'm not going to ask you if you can name the commandments from memory, though I hope some of you could do that, but I decided that would be futile since they're printed twice in your bulletin today and you'd just cheat. That's a violation of one of the commandments, by the way. (laughs) Rather, I want to ask you to think about what is the use and the purpose that these commandments might have for you as an individual Christian. You know, often we say that the commandments are good instructions for ethical and moral living, and of course they are. The problem with that is that instructions can only go so far, and sometimes they aren't even that helpful. Let me give you an example. Of all the little routine maintenance issues in life, the one that really irks me, especially this time of year, is changing my windshield wipers. It's a chore that I hate. 
And because I hate it, I wait until the very last minute to do it, which is to say I wait until it's raining and the old wipers aren't doing the trick anymore. Now, I can never remember what kind of wiper blades or what size of wiper blades I bought last time. And so I go to the auto parts store and have them tell me what three different sizes I need. And then I find out that they're out of one size or another or maybe all three of them, mostly because so many other people have waited until the last minute and there's been a sudden rush on windshield wiper blades. And if I finally find the right blades, then I'll take them home and with a great deal of trouble and a knife and a scissors and some scraped fingers, open up these tightly sealed packages only to discover that they just don't look at all like the ones that are already on the car. And then there are instructions for how to install them, but the print is so small that I can't read it unless I'm in the sunlight. And of course, since it's raining, there's no sunlight. And then the pictures on the instructions don't look at all like my old wipers. Frankly, they don't really look much like the ones that came with the instructions either. And, and so what good are the instructions anyway? And yeah, and they might be in Japanese, you're right. <laughs> and that's, I think, for many people, kind of what it's like with the Ten Commandments. Sure, they're good ethical instructions, but somehow they don't quite seem to fit my existential situation. I mean, I don't have any other gods, and I go to church every Sunday, and... My parents are long deceased, and I'd never kill anyone, so what's the point of them anyway? The picture doesn't look like my life. At least that's how it seems. So what I'd like to suggest to you is that the good instructions for moral living answer isn't really the best one for Christians. No, I think the Ten Commandments have a more important purpose for us and a more effective use Allow me to quote Martin Luther in a discussion of how and why we should regularly confess our sins to God. How do we know what to confess, he asks. We can examine our everyday life according to the Ten Commandments. Examine our everyday life according to the Ten Commandments. There it is. Purpose of the commandments for us is not simply to be an instruction book on how to live, it's to be a standard against which we may measure how we have lived or how we are living, or you could think about it as a kind of mirror into which we can look to examine our own lives. So is that use of the commandments familiar to you? Is it something that you do for yourself on a consistent and regular basis? You know, when I was in high school, I, I don't think any teacher ever posted the Ten Commandments, but one teacher posted a famous saying by Socrates, the unexamined life is not worth living. And I've never forgotten that quote because I think it has great relevance for Christians. For us, you see, the unexamined life is one that's not very serious before God. Because God expects us to examine our lives. And I could quote you a string of references in the Bible to show you this, but I think one that strikes me as particularly interesting here on this third Sunday of Lent is in the book of Lamentations. 
Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Return to the Lord, of course, a pretty important Lenten theme. And this verse reminds us that part of returning to the Lord is examining our ways. So we come back to my question, is using the Ten Commandments to test and examine your ways something that's familiar to you? And if it's not, then let's think for a minute about how we might do that. I think the place to start is by finding yourself a quiet place to sit and think. After all, examine means to take some time to really look at something. It's not not just a cursory glance. It's taking something, turning it over, looking at it from, from different angles. So find a quiet place at home, or if it's a Sunday, come to church a few minutes early. Whatever space will give you the opportunity to examine yourself, to examine your own life. And then what I try to do, and, and what I would commend to you, is to take those Ten Commandments as the guide, but it's important to get beyond just the words themselves. You don't need to look this up right now, but in the back of the Book of Common Prayer, there is a document entitled An Outline of the Faith, commonly called the Catechism. And part of it is an explanation of the Ten Commandments, a brief explanation of, shall we say, the deeper meaning of each commandment. And so, for example, instead of just, you shall not murder, it spells out the deeper sense of what that means. It means, it says, that we are to show respect for the life God has given us, to work and pray for peace, to bear no malice, prejudice, or hatred in our hearts, and to be kind to all the creatures of God. So that gives you something to work with as you conduct this self-examination. And when I'm doing this, if I've got a, a good amount of time, maybe I'll work through the whole list, or maybe I'll just focus on one or two of these commandments, and, and I'll read the commandment, and then read the explanation, and think about that for a bit, and then see how my life stacks up. But what's important is to be willing to ask yourself some questions, and maybe some difficult questions. Do you like difficult questions? No. We don't like them. But they're important to our health. Think about when you go to the doctor for a routine exam. You know, you fill out a, a, a paper with all kinds of, of questions. Have you experienced this? Do you have uh, issues with that? But then when you get in to see the doctor, she or he asks some more questions, some difficult questions. So how's the exercise coming? Well, I noticed that you've gained five pounds since our last visit. What's going on? Those are not easy questions. We don't look forward to them. And then after the doctor has asked all those questions, what does the doctor give you? And, and, well, not instructions, right away at least. 
an examination, right? The doctor pushes here and probes there and looks here, and sometimes that's not all that easy or painless either. But it's important to your health. And what I'm suggesting is that this kind of of spiritual examination is important to your spiritual health. And what I'm urging you to do is to think very seriously and soberly about your own life and to examine it in the context of the Ten Commandments. I don't want you to let yourself off the hook lightly by thinking about your whole life because it's usually not that hard for us to remember and admit to long ago sins. I want you to think about last week or yesterday or today. And remember that when we examine something, it means we look at the details. We look close up. Too broad a perspective means that we'll miss things. So let me take a specific example. You shall not murder. You know, when I used to teach Ten Commandments to junior high kids, at first this was when they were really quick to check off as being irrelevant to their own lives. Oh no, they say, I've never killed anyone. I never would. I'm, 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 I'm good here. But go back to the explanation in the catechism. We are to show respect for the life God has given us, to work and pray for peace, to bear no malice, prejudice, or hatred in our hearts, and to be kind to all the creatures of God. Well, that's a little harder to slough off, isn't it? And it can, and it should, lead us to ask some hard questions of ourselves. So have I, in the last day or two, treated anyone unkindly, either physically or emotionally or financially? Have I said or done anything in anger that would have been better left unsaid or undone? Do I harbor malice or hatred or resentment or prejudice? against any individual or any group? Have I made comments or had thoughts that are disrespectful of others? Have I ridiculed or spoken ill of anyone? Have I prayed for peace? Have I prayed for those who may have angered or offended or hurt me? Have I done things that are destructive of myself? physically or in any other way? Have I abused my own body with alcohol or drugs? Of course, these are illustrative questions only. They're not comprehensive, and you may think of other questions that you need to ask yourself. But what's the bottom line here? What's the point of all this introspection? Well, the point is not to obsess about what we've done wrong, point is to have a clean slate. If we confess our sins, the scripture says, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you have honestly examined yourself, then it is that you are truly prepared to confess your sins 
and to receive the wonderful cleansing of God's forgiveness. And maybe that confession will be a private conversation between you and the Lord during your own time of prayer. Maybe that confession will be what you offer from your heart on Sunday as we prepare to say the words of the general confession. Perhaps you might like to ask Father Seth or any of Emmanuel's priests about what Episcopalians call the reconciliation of a penitent, which is to say an opportunity for individual private confession to a priest together with the all-important words of absolution and mercy. The point is that by this deliberate self-examination, you are beginning to confess your sins, not just admitting that you're a sinner in the sort of generic sense. And that honesty, that honesty with yourself and with God, is the first step towards spiritual health and wholeness. And it's how you allow these commandments to be engraved, not on some public monument, but on your heart. And it's the way to pray with sincerity, the beautiful words of this morning's psalm, cleanse me from my secret faults. Above all, keep your servant from presumptuous sins and let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.